I decided I needed to get out of the big city for a while to search for cinema spoilers in the wild. So I hopped in my old Camino and I took off for the open road. It wasn't long before I took a left turn into the surreal. A fly landed on my arm and I got the shivers. The sounds of a typewriter filled my ears. And I was so tired I felt like I was in a dead zone. That's when my eyes caught the sight of a sign that said, Welcome to Cronenberg. Behind that sign was a place that was a dead ringer for home. As I pulled in the parking lot, I realized no matter where I go, I can always find the spoiler room. Yes, my friends, we've traveled down the road back to Cronenberg, the special spoiler room here. Welcome to Cronenberg, and we are continuing our look at the works of Mr. David Cronenberg. And tonight, we are visiting Rabbit, his feature film follow-up to Shivers. And tonight, I've got a great crew back. Unfortunately, we are sans Dawn. I wanted to try to get Dawn back as well, but uh, at the, a little bit... Uh, ago she told me she was still not feeling a little under the weather and that so she wasn't able to make it so uh, you are with us in, in spirit dawn uh, but tonight i do have uh, two uh, very talented individuals with me tonight to talk about this they were uh, talking about shivers last month and this this month they're back first off we have cara with us once again hello cara how are you doing okay glad to have you back to talk more david cronenberg uh, appreciate you coming on the show into the spoiler room. And we have a filmmaker extraordinaire all around, a uh, very talented person. She wears many hats as well. It is Tanya Atomic. Hello, Tanya. How are you? Hello. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us. And yes, uh, tonight we are going to talk about Rabid from 1977. And uh, Tanya, did you want to give a little bit of the summary of Rabid? Sure. Um, so Rabid is about a woman who gets in a motorcycle accident with her, I believe, boyfriend. And um, the nearest hospital clinic, whatever, is a plastic surgery, sort of a, like a like a breakthrough with upcoming technology surgery kind of resort center. She's she's suffering severe burns and some other injuries. And so they don't want to um, send her to the hospital where the travel would be too long. So they perform this um, surgery on her and then do like skin grafts and stuff with their new technology with plastic surgery to kind of repair the burn. And she develops this sort of parasitic type uh, organism that needs to devour blood and it changes her where she can't eat people food, has to eat people as food. And so, and then it also creates, um, or it also sort of um, transmits this virus to the people that she feeds on and they become these rabid fighters of people killers of people and it becomes an epidemic yep that that uh, <laughs> that that does sum it up um this really felt a lot similar to shivers as mm -hmm. far as what he was talking about with the uh, uh, sexuality and, and let's face it sexually transmitted diseases i mean mm -hmm. uh, it really feels like uh almost like a sequel 
in many ways. Yeah, I there were similarities to Shivers, and I and I, I never like before doing the Shiver show and then this show and seeing them so close together, I didn't see how similar it was until recently. <laughs> um, it's similar in a way, like like with Shivers, it's sort of a like body snatcher type idea where a parasite goes into your body and takes you over and you're a different person. And this one's kind of like a vampiric parasite is inside you. In Shivers, they definitely, there's a sexuality to it where where it uses the sexuality to tra- to transfer the actual parasite, right? And um, and the fear, a lot of the fear in that one is the sexual assault. Oh. And in this one, it, it was like it doesn't. There's not so much the sexual assault, but it's like the, they. It's like the carrier or whatever uses sexuality as a lure, mm-hmm. and then assaults you, just plain assaults you. But yeah. there is that there is that aspect of sexuality in it. There, there is quite a bit, and I think that might have had to do a little bit with the, the casting as well with this. Uh, Cara, how about you? Did you feel that there were uh, a lot of similarities between this one and uh, Shivers? I, I definitely got that sense watching it, especially watching them so so close together. What I liked more about this one is um, they kind of ease you into the story mm-hmm. a little bit because you get to see the the setup with the van and the... The motorcycle crash so you know what's going to happen whereas with shivers it's it's basically a slap in the face just right from the opening scene where you've got this perv chasing someone around and then murders them yeah this one they they do uh he does set it up better uh i agree the whole opening in the beginning with uh the motorcycle accident justifying her uh, you know going to the plastic surgery clinic this breakthrough clinic which um, you know, we, we have a little something going on here, though, a statement about practicing, you know, medical practices, uh, experimenting on people that, uh, might, it might not be approved. <laughs> so we get that scene where they take her to the beginning and they're talking about, oh, we're going to do a new plastic surgery, uh, technique where we're grafting it, but we're doing this new technique that she's going to have to be with us for quite some time. And she is, she's actually with them. Um, like a month um before she actually comes to it all and the boyfriend he got he got injured as well but he's not you know he's not as important anyway um (laughs) (laughs) he isn't i mean he's he's just kind of there you know he's like he's there kind of to to move you through i think the rest of the world because most of it's told from the perspective of rose who is cast who is being played by Marilyn Chambers, who I'm sure many people are familiar with the name out there. Uh, Carl, what did you think of the casting of Marilyn Chambers in a mainstream horror film? I I think it worked out very well, especially because it comes back to the whole vampiric quality and sexuality. And it's obvious that she's a person who's very comfortable with her her body. So she she navigates very easily through through the role, which... Um, I mean, especially, um, I mean, for her, it's probably no big deal. The fact that she has quite a bit of topless scenes. Um, but I like that, that play that they kind of did with, uh, you know, there's something wrong with her when she gets out of her surgery and it's not really quite sure how it is that she's attacking people. Like, is it her, is it her chest? And then you find out it's her underarm. And I kind of like that whole, um, 
that vampire reference as well, you know, kind of like how the, the whole teeth puncturing is basically penetration, whereas she has this penis-like appendage that shoots out of her arm and attacks people. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be under uh, the arm, though once again we have David Cronenberg doing the makeup for it to look like a specific orifice of the body, uh, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah, you don't expect it to be under the arm, and you don't get that hint at first. You just know when she embraces them, suddenly people seem to die or get infected. Um, and, and I like that approach with her character. Tanya, how about you with Rose, Marilyn Chambers casting and, and how they handled her character? I really enjoyed her in this. I thought she did a great job. And, I've, and I feel like she has this sort of like duality to her she has sort of an innocent quality and at the same time sort of like a lustful quality too that sort of translates into the character really mm -hmm. well because the character is that i mean she walks through the movie attacking and killing people but also she kind of doesn't realize she's doing it at the same time in a way or she's in denial i'm not sure um but yeah, I think it works really well, and I really enjoy her in this film. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think she does fantastic in here, especially she hadn't done many films up till now, although she did do a couple adult ones, and including the infamous Behind the Green Door, which I looked up an interview. She's actually got a fascinating story of how she got involved in that. But that casting, you know, she's known, so you know they kind of worked her in there, but she actually put she puts a lot of work into this role and she pulls it off i mean you know there's a stereotype of of you know <laughs> actresses who come from a, a certain genre of film when they try to hit mainstream uh, there's a bit of a stigma or they can't act but marilyn in here yeah she does that perfect duality i love how she was able with her face to go from someone who seemed perfectly innocent and then she'd get a little curl in her smile or something. And all of a sudden, you know, uh oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, this guy's done for, or this girl's done for, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, yeah, uh, she plays it well uh, throughout. And apparently, originally, Cronenberg wants, wanted Sissy Spacek wow. for the role. But uh, the studio said no because they didn't like her accent. Go figure, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny because there's a one scene in here where Marilyn's walking down. Well, Rose is walking down the street, and there's a Carrie poster behind her. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, apparently he wanted. But Ivan Reitman suggested Marilyn Chambers because he knew she was looking to try to get into mainstream film, and so they they cast her. And I thought it was an excellent casting for her. Um, she does, yeah, she does fantastic in here as as rose you know and then we've got some familiar faces from shivers back as well you know making the Cronenverse. as i was thinking <laughs> of i'm like you could easily put this in with shivers uh but yeah i liked how it kind of grew too in scope as far as her uh effect on people her how she was infecting people with drawing blood from them if she didn't kill them and, and and the scope that kind of grew from it. Tanya, what do you think of, of the scope of where this goes? I mean, you, you've probably seen the film, you know, a, a number of times over the years, but when you first see this or whatnot, you don't kind of expect it to go really apocalyptic. Right. Yeah, when it starts out, I mean, there there's similarities, you know, in, in um, 
in the other film that it takes place all in the one building. Right. And that's how I kind of thought that this would start. You know, the first time I saw this, the first time I saw Rabbit, I thought that's how it was going to start. You know, they're at this facility. Right. Um, but then they leave the facility and then there's the diner and then it just gets larger and larger. So they're at like a mall and then it's, it affects, you know, a larger area. And um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool how that's unexpected. And um, also how it shows kind of the virus, because we're kind of following the story of the virus. Right. And it just shows, okay, now it's getting here. Now it's getting here. And then the next step is like, it's going to be even larger and it's coming for you next. (laughs) (laughs) The evil, the evil transmitted infection, which yes, if you don't get the impression that yes, he is talking about uh, transmitted sexually transmitted disease in this film, you're really missing it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. that imagery in that but uh cara did you like how it kind of was in a larger scope than shivers i i definitely i i did like that a lot more especially kind of like the whole uh it it does seem a lot more severe than it really was even though it was just maybe like this small town that got quarantined but it it spread so quick and the fact that they kind of the victims seem zombie-like just kind of I don't know, adds to like the subconscious severity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it, inc- it increases. You, you think that it's going to be just at the the, uh, the plastic surgery place or the small town because she, she goes to the barn with the cow and <laughs> she gets the cow, which doesn't seem to be, was indifferent. It's like, oh yeah, okay, you're going to drain my blood. Yeah, I'm a cow. Because uh, <laughs> she's hiding in the barn. But uh what I found interesting were her victims because her first couple were actually innocents, but as she moves along, her victims aren't really until we get to the, to her final victim, which was her, her best friend. Uh, what did you think Kara of, of the victims that she had in here? Do you think he was maybe kind of making a few statements about these individuals? Cause you get the creepy guy in the barn, you get the guy, uh, who picks up the hitchhike, you know, her, she's hitchhiking and the guy in the theater, I mean, uh, what, what do you think of the, the, her, her victims? And, and, uh, did you think they just get more and more creepy as they go along or? I, I hadn't even considered it from the whole creep factor. I was kind of thinking about it more from like, mm, more the, the concept of like this whole film being kind of like a, a masked porno because you have all of these fantasy elements like mm-hmm. you have like the the barn romp you have the the scene in the jacuzzi mm-hmm. um then you have that whole thing with the trucker which i mean they especially with how much they travel you imagine they pick up a lot of people <laughs> yeah i've i've known a couple truckers i've heard stories uh <laughs> but uh yeah now that you mentioned it sure yeah it could be uh the the whole each one of those situations, especially after she leaves, uh, yeah, even when she's in the, the plastic surgery, those are kind of fantasy situations that you associate with some male fantasies, you know, picking up the girl in the, the dirty, who, who likes dirty movies like you and, and, you know, and the guy, the hitchhiker and that. Uh, Tanya, what would you say? Would you say that these uh, uh, are situations maybe that he's playing with as far as the male fantasy, only they don't go the way you would expect them to. 
<laughs> I, I would think so, yeah, because there is sort of an element of, um, I mean, it, it gets more and more pr predatory type situations, I right. feel like. And um, so you can look at it that way, definitely. And then, it, you know, but with the twist. But um, <laughs> I also think if you look at it from maybe her character point of view as well, mm -hmm. it goes from at the beginning, she doesn't really know what she's doing. So she just hits, you know, whoever's available. And then she knows she needs to feed. So she's kind of being, you know, in a clumsy situation. But then after that, it's like she starts to kind of understand a little bit more what's going and she starts to go after deliberately after a certain type of person right it seems like because once you get to the end when she's with her friend she doesn't want to go after her friend she wants to go out to you know lure someone more unsavory right. who might deserve it more and like in her mind so there's also so there's also that element as well if you're looking at it character wise <laughs> yeah i, I she does, I don't know, maybe if it's her consciously, or maybe we do have a little bit of element of shivers in here where the appendage or, or thing that's grown from her armpit is takes over her brain making a little bit. Yeah. You know, is making the choice for her. You know, that's why you get that kind of flip in her, in her facial expressions a bit mm -hmm. occasionally, especially when you know she's about to, to feed. And it's just like, yeah, this guy's in for it. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're in trouble, dude. <laughs> so uh, what did you think of of the infection and how they kind of had the outside world handling the infection uh cara did you get i don't know if you're familiar with uh the crazies uh, the original the crazies did you get maybe a little bit of the crazies vibe from that with how they were handling the infection and and the portrayal of the the government officials in that um that that hadn't even occurred to me which is ironic because i've i i do consider the crazies to be very much a bio horror even though it's romero but mm -hmm. i don't know for some reason it just didn't it didn't click with me for some reason i was just kind of fixated with like wow this cronenberg really likes his sexual themes <laughs> <laughs> yes he does <laughs> that he does uh but yeah, you know, for me, I mean, I love, I enjoy the crazies quite a bit, George Romero, and and this one had a, it felt like it had kind of that vibe a bit. What about you, Tanya? Is, is there maybe a, a bit of a crazies vibe with this? Yeah, it's been such a long time since I've seen that movie that I don't really oh. remember enough to sure make a judgment. Um, I I do feel like. I mean, there were some elements, you know, like, let's take care of it. And don't they at one point say, you know, like, the best thing to do is just kill everybody or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. At one point, <laughs> they said, because they thought at first it did have to do with rabies, hence uh, that's where the title Rabbit came from. Um, and, yeah, at one point, uh, after they give shots to the cops, because the boyfriend is trying to get back to his girlfriend who he doesn't realize she's in town uh, infecting people and he gets quarantined and they have the cop that shoots him and, and they're like, he gave, he got the shots. He was the first one that got the shots. It's like almost uh, the cure is all uh, to shoot them is almost as good as trying to give them uh, yeah. antidote. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> and yeah. And, and they then, go ahead. 
there and then don't they instill some sort of like either curfew or military control or something sort martial of like law. that martial law right yeah they incur martial <laughs> law and they just start shooting people because the boyfriend gets uh his car gets attacked by a a crazy and uh and, well, an infected, excuse me. And uh, yeah, they just shoot the guy. There's a sniper sitting on. <laughs> and then they got the guys come by and collect the body and just toss it in the, toss it in the bin. Well, you know, there is a point where one of the characters says, calls one of them a crazy. That's true. One of the crazies came after something like that. I don't remember the exact line. Yeah, you're, you're right. There is a line. So I'm just wondering because the crazies did come out and, uh, just a few years before okay. this, it makes me wonder if there was a bit of influence uh, from Romero. I think there was, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking so too, just because of the, the the vibe and the feel, and you know the 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 folks that are infected, we realize it it really travels because we get the one doctor who is helping out the boyfriend who goes to visit his wife at home, and you know. Tanya, what would you think about this scene later on when, when the infection spread through, I believe it's Montreal now, it's gotten to, and the, the he goes visit his wife, and he goes into the kids' room. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, I had forgotten, when I watched it again for the podcast, uh -huh. I had forgotten what happened there, and I was like, does he find her? Does he find, what exactly, what, what was going on? And it actually got me again. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Um, you know, because when he walks in and then the, the blood is dripping from the tube at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, it, it's dripping from like the toy box or somewhere from the crib. Yeah. From the, ch I think the changing table or something. Yeah, that's like what that. it was. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. And then you're, and it's one of those like leave it up to your imagination to make mm -hmm. it even more gruesome kind of moments. And it, yeah, it got me again. <laughs> she popped out of the closet yeah this scene it's like okay it is it is dark in that you're going okay so she's she's going about you know infecting people fine most of these guys she's infecting her scummy you know it doesn't really kind of hit you but this scene really is is kind of dark and and gruesome it's it like you know i mean it, up until now yeah it's got some serious themes and such but you don't really this was one of those where it was like a serious horror moment, like suspenseful and and dramatic and dark. Kara, what'd you think about this uh, sequence where he goes and finds basically just the blood on the changing table, and then his wife uh, pops out of the closet? I mean, the to me the the setup makes sense. The the fact that he's a parent, the the natural insp instinct to protect the offspring. So it makes sense that he, he went up there when he didn't really notice anyone in the house, but it really wasn't too much a surprise to me that the mother would have done what she did because they were the only two people in the house whenever whatever infection it is would have kicked in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, it just, it was dark and, and you know, having a kid as well this time around watching it, and I'm like, oh man, that's, that's just a little extra gruesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved how he left it to your imagination. You don't, you don't really see. He doesn't give you a a baby corpse. You know, uh -huh. he doesn't go there, which I like. I, I sometimes I think less is more, um, especially with horror, and then especially when you're dealing with kid kid deaths. 
which yeah, Cronenberg definitely you know, a taboo. <laughs> yeah, you know, Cronenberg's it, he's not shy away from involving kids, but he does seem to have uh, at least a little bit of nuance to it, where it's saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to show you a kid get beheaded or anything or crushed or anything." So, you guys are good there, uh, you know, and. Carol, what'd you think of the, the zombies, the, the infected, their their symptoms and their makeup and that? And and uh, what, what, what did you think about that? How do you think that uh, looked? And uh, did it feel like it kind of fit the uh, cause, you know, the what caused the infection? Did that kind of fit their design, basically what they came up with for these infected? It, it seemed a bit off to me, kind of like they went, I guess, the Euro zombie route with like the green goo and I, I don't know it was just it, it it definitely was a gross out which is what it was meant to do but it just seemed a little bit off that you have this vampiric element and then you've got zombies or ghouls that are thrown in it's it's just it threw me off a little but then you see all the salivating and it's like uh you're gross <laughs> go away especially when you're trapped in a in a a packed subway car <laughs> and that lady just starts foaming you're just like oh man <laughs> tanya how'd you feel about the uh the design and the zombies and and the infection from you know what it's caused did it seem fitting or did it seem kind of off a bit uh to you well i felt like it was very different mm -hmm. um but i also felt like there were it was trying to tell you it was different mm -hmm. you know like she was the you know how they mentioned like the typhoid mary of the disease um the sort of instigator carrier mm -hmm. and then it was like she's creating these other infected people but they're not like her they're not right. um, and also in control they lose control and um they eventually die um, I think somebody met one of the characters mentions that. Yeah, um, if they if they don't if they don't feed or attack someone, if they lock them up, they get into a coma and eventually die. I think it is. Yeah, so I think that the um, differences was sort of by design, so that you see it's a very different situation that that what she's passing on than what she is. Mm -hmm. Sort of like making her the leader. I don't know. I don't know how to put that. <laughs> Like she's the main thing and she's right. creating these like kind of parasitic thing, ghoul things. It's almost almost like a residual. It's not an actual almost <laughs> direct right. for lack of a better term, descendant from whatever it is that is causing her to do this. It's not like a descendant, like she's making more of the same. Right. It, it's more like this is the after effects uh, residual of what she does and it's just completely different than what she's suffering them so you actually have two creepy things going on in this film uh with them so yeah and you know then it it takes that interesting turn as we get near the end i mean she, she's infected most of the city she finally uh, catches up with her boyfriend where she right after she offs her her best friend which she didn't want to do so she decides to lock herself in a room with a guy who hit on her in the lobby. I mean, crepes. It's like she can't go anywhere. Um, and she locks herself in a room 
with uh, this guy to prove that she's not the cause of the infection, but she she's proven wrong. And and Kara, how'd you feel about this uh, this sequence at the end of of basically how Rose meets her demise? Is it a little unexpected the direction they take? And and what'd you think about it? I I actually like the way they they went with it because they you definitely do have that sense of denial or doubt even though she knows what she's been doing all this time but it it also reminds me to a degree of I guess like the Wolfman how she's a victim victim of circumstance she didn't choose to become this way it just happened due to some side effect from from her surgery so she's just getting by the best way she can and I think she was just hoping for the best, but he's, eventually she just becomes her own victim in in a way as well, just because she didn't want to heed anyone's warnings. And she just very much wanted to believe, well, I'm not the cause of this. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe subconsciously she realized it and, and she maybe did this on, on purpose, knowing that it was probably going to kill her? I I want to say it's possible. It's It's kind of like that whole, well... I, I can't stop. It has to be stopped for me. And I don't know, kind of like a weird serial killer mentality at some point, even they want to get caught because they can't stop. Oh yeah. That's, that's an excellent comparison. Yeah. Serial killer. Cause in, in kind of a way she is a serial killer in this. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's an excellent comparison. Tanya, what about you? How'd you feel about this, this kind of ending of Rose and, and her, justification for what she does uh, do you think it was maybe subconscious because she knew what would happen or yeah i agree with all that um and i i do think on some level she understood what was going on mm-hmm. and on some level it might have been she was willing to sacrifice herself to stop it and and i think you know when she was on the phone he says to her this is suicide and she doesn't say anything back right she kind of knows but i think that's like some level i think there's another level of denial as well going on at the same time um so i yeah it's it's interesting i find her character interesting um i find the aspect of her character really interesting throughout how she does have like an innocent quality to it whether it is whether it is naivete or denial mm-hmm. there's a part of her that feels like oh i'm ju- i'm fine i'm doing fine although i think that there's is some le- deeper level that kind of knows what's going on right e- either uh, she's not accepting it or uh, is in denial cuz yeah i think i think she is after the first after the second victim i think cuz that victim is the one that's on the poster is the one that actually she shoves in the freezer the the woman from the hot tub um after that person i think she realizes kind of what she is but um you know maybe she does the disconnect a little bit to try to not feel guilty of what she's done um because not everyone she bite well penetrates she kills so you know maybe there's a little less guilt there uh with it but yeah you're right her character is interesting and she's got that duality with it um which adds an interesting layer for her character who's not just a a a person going around she's not just a blood-sucking freak (laughs) basically uh which you you could get in a film like this so yeah, uh, and then I thought it was just interesting how there's the infection going on, and at the very end, 
again, the spoiler room folks at the very end, we have her just, she, she's dead and they just, they just toss her in the garbage. <laughs> it's gotten know. that bad. They're just throwing people away now. Right. So, you know, the infection hasn't been put in control. It's actually spread probably. And this is, this is the real world now. And now the person who we followed through this whole thing is just kind of tossed away with trash. <laughs> I, I thought that was just a just an interesting way to end this. Not expected uh, at all until you know she locked herself in a room. Then you know what's going to happen. But uh, though it makes you wonder, Tanya, how'd she get out there by the trash? Hmm. Because she died. That. She died in the room. Right. So how did she, did she get carried out there? Did someone just dispose of the body out there? Maybe that's like the new kind like garbage collection also includes looking around in all the apartments bodies <laughs> <laughs> and just tossing them. They had to make the garbage chutes bigger to throw the bodies down there. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. Just toss them out the window and the guys downstairs pick it up. Well, she's piled with the rest of the garbage, so that could that's be true. I don't know. Uh Cara, what do you think? What do you think? Uh how do you think she may have gotten down there? Do you think someone just tossed her down there like they've been tossing away garbage now that everybody the infection seems to be common i i had kind of thought that kind of like when you put christmas trees out by the curb or something but i i like how they leave it open to interpretation considering the fact that she is the the originator of all of this i mean to some degree maybe after getting attacked maybe it just didn't uh, maybe she was just able to fend it off a little bit and she was able to actually just run down there and she just probably just died down there just trying to escape. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because she, we don't actually have her completely dead. We just hear her scream on the phone and getting attacked, but we don't know exactly what happens. We just find her dead on the street, which, um, yeah, that's just some imagery right there. And she played dead. Well, <laughs> I thought, uh, but yeah, this is a really interesting film and it, it it could, I think this could definitely fit within the same realm of shivers in the same universe almost. Uh -huh. um, it, it'd be interesting to see because I bet you could probably, since they both involve medical practices, uh, you know, but doctors anyway, uh, you could, I bet you'd probably tie these together, especially considering how shivers kinds of ends. Uh, I wonder, I, you know, I, there probably is some kind of fanfic out there that's uh, uh, tied these two together. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. But uh, so I, I was wondering, I know we, we talked about a number of things tonight with the film, uh, but I was wondering if there was something with the film you maybe wanted to uh, discuss with the group or had a, a topic or something you wanted to bring up. So, uh, Tanya, we'll start with you. What Did you have something maybe that uh, struck you with this film or whatnot that you maybe wanted to uh, bring up or talk about? Yeah, well, I was, I, I mean, I've, I've noticed in Cronenberg films, there's like a, a lot of them have this sort of mad scientist aspect mm -hmm. to it. Like you just mentioned, um, there's like a medical thing happening in, in a lot of his films. Um, and it and it definitely struck me that this opens in a plastic surgery center mm -hmm. where it's sort of like this resort. People, obviously, people are well off that go there. They make jokes 
about you know coming there several times kind of thing right. and then the bandages all over um and at first i had really strong feelings about about that and now i'm not you know now i'm like wondering what what all is going on around that um but just wondering if you two have any thoughts about that in particular like what do you think that's all about the plastic surgery part what is that tr trying to say in connection to the film oh i like that Kara. what do you think that's actually pretty similar to what i wanted to bring up is i i like how they had this subtle foreshadowing at the beginning because you have all of the or you have two of the patients outside they're they're bandaged up and they're mummy like so it's it's already kind of like the hospital's already a chamber of horrors before all hell breaks loose mm -hmm. so i i don't know it's kind of like i guess the to a degree like the the ugliness of people wanting to modify themselves against the the necessity of certain types of procedures in order to actually help a person so it's it's kind of like this fine line in between to where it can either go really really wrong or it can it can work out okay yeah and and i think that does work because we have people at the clinic who are voluntarily changing themselves uh either because they want to personally or like the one woman who I felt bad for, who's, who they say, oh, you're back again with the nose. And she's <laughs> talking about either her boyfriend or husband who said he didn't like her nose so she, because it was too much like his. I think it was the father had said or, that. Or was it was her father? I think, it was, I think she said her father would send her there. to. Okay. I didn't know if it was her husband or father. All I know is I'm like, wow damn, you're going to go under the knife again just because he says your nose is too similar for like the third time. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's a statement there about it. Yeah, there's people there. I mean, the one guy who has the jogging suit that says jogging kills, <laughs> uh, which I, I did dig that. But you're right. These are people that are, are upper class. They can afford it. Uh, I mean, you get the one guy in the lobby who when they bring in uh, Rose, who's all burnt up in that from the, the motorcycle accident, he goes, oh my god, he's like, do you think they could have put a sheet over her? I'm like, dude! <laughs> <laughs> so these are these are upper class people and yeah, I think it's interesting to where you have the woman who wasn't wanting to change end up getting plastic surgery and having this horrific thing happen to her, this change, yet everybody else there is had this procedure done a number of times and nothing's happened uh but there it is a it is a hallway of horrors and yeah i think he's making maybe a, a little bit of a connection of uh you know it these things are random some people can have this procedure done all the time but the one time that someone else has it done it could go completely wrong and this was on during the rise i think of plastic surgery because it was huge in the eighties. <laughs> I mean, that was the subject of a number of uh, horror films and such were uh, plastic surgery. So I think, I think it has a correlation a bit in there with uh, possibly with class and with, uh, you know, image and, and sexuality too, maybe in some respect. Um, but it, it is interesting. It, it opens with the plastic surgery place, which they're talking about franchising 
if you remember the conversation they have in the beginning, they're talking about opening more clinics across the country. So, yeah, it's it's it is interesting how that would tie into the the theme. Um, and I think Cronenberg just has something against science or medicine. One of the two. <laughs> I'm starting to think so because, uh, yeah, it's really becoming this recurring theme as we're exploring these, and comes up later too, especially in you know the fly. So I don't know what he's got against science, but you know, I have to like science. But <laughs> so, Kara, you said your your topic was kind of similar. Well, that that's pretty much what I was just kind of. Mm -hmm thinking is just like the whole, you know, uh, like you said, some people were voluntarily having procedures done, but there's like that whole combination of how things can either turn out well, or then you've got those botched procedures. And that's just a very extreme case of when things go wrong. <laughs> a very extreme case. I, I don't think uh, many people have gotten blood sucking appendages <laughs> them, uh, which, you know, I, I always kind of wondered how, that occurred because they don't fully go into the explanation outside of the procedure is supposed to make the skin grafts uh, mimic the area around them, you know? So I just wonder, Carl, what, what do you think may have caused it is just a mutant uh, a, a malpractice, you know, something went awry with surgery or is there something more going on here with why this occurred to her? On that, I'm just, I'm really not too sure. I mean, to me, it just kind of seemed very unclear on how this whole skin grafting thing went went wrong. And all of a sudden she's she's got a, a chick penis and she's attacking people. Because <laughs> <laughs> she needs to suck their blood. So, so yeah, so uh, Shivers was a little more about the zombie film and this is more about his vampire film maybe uh which i'm wondering if that's what we're going now with these uh tanya what do you think maybe because the follow-up to this is i is he soon comes out with which what we're going to talk about next month is the brood so is cronenberg going through classic monsters and doing a little bit of variation on them um, you know, I have heard that as an interpretation, actually, already, mm -hmm. um, that people say, definitely they say Shivers was sort of a spin, I guess, on the zombie genre, right. and that Rabbit is a spin on the vampire idea, mm -hmm. um, which I, I could see that, definitely, um, but if that is def what was in his mind, it's a definite spin on um it's not you know straight up zombie straight up vampire at all it's i mean it's definitely body horror it's got some um some of that mad scientist stuff and it's got a parasitic quality to it as well right. and, um but yeah i think it's i think it could, could definitely be inspired by that mm -hmm. how about you Kara? do you feel maybe there's some inspiration here from those classic monsters from you know with shivers and with with rabbit here well with with this one it's i i was still leaning more towards that that whole wolfman comparison is oh, sure, just yeah. a whole victim of circumstance but i i did see with with shivers just just like mentioned earlier just kind of like the whole body snatchers theme so yeah i can mm -hmm. i can definitely see how 
certain elements were maybe not necessarily borrowed, but played upon. Right. Given with a little bit of extra sexual spin that Cronenberg <laughs> likes to do. <laughs> sexual spin. Sexual spin. Uh, no, no, no pun intended, but. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so I guess we'll uh, tie this up a little bit then, and and just uh, your final thought with Rabid, and would you recommend it to uh, someone, Caro? I would definitely say it's it's well worth the watch, and for me, it was my introduction for Cronenberg. So I would say just because it's. A little more, at least in my opinion, it's a little more mellow. I think it's a good way to ease in if you don't know what what to expect or what you're in for. It is it is a little bit more mainstream compared to his previous, especially his his first one. Oof, um, but yeah, especially that one and, and Shivers. So, uh, uh, Tanya, how about you? What would you say? Uh, would you recommend it? And your final thought with uh, the original Rabbit. I would. I, I really like this film a lot. It's not for me, like Shivers is one of my favorites, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's not that. But I do really like it. I like how it is told in the same kind of simple way as Shivers, not as the, you know, the scope, but but it's just simply talking about the virus. Mm -hmm. um, I like how it's done in that way. I, I really like Marilyn Chambers. I thought she was great in this. And um, I kind of like the little twists on things that we haven't really ever seen before. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, and I would too, especially uh, it's a good introduction Cronenberg film. Uh, there are some twists in here and people may say, oh, well, this has been done before. I'm like, no, this was done after. <laughs> it's like, when you watch these older films, I think some people miss the point that, oh, well, I've seen this before. I'm like, yeah, but this is where it, it started, man. <laughs> this is where all those horror directors after this got inspired from, you know? And, and I think some people lose that occasionally. And uh, now, uh, before we, we close out for the night, Tanya, I hope you don't mind me asking. I know we talked a little bit before the show, but you had the chance because there is the remake. And I was hoping to actually have the remake uh, to put it on the show, you know, talk about it on the show. But it's been kind of pushed out till January 2020 now. But you had a chance to visit the remake set that the Soska sisters are doing their rabid remake on. And would you be able to tell us a little bit about that? Maybe a, a, of the impression you got of the type of story that they're planning on telling versus what this original one is? Yeah, I'll t I definitely could talk about that. Um, so I went to um, Canada, got to see a set. It was um, one of, I think it was one of the later scenes. Well, it had to be one of the later scenes and it was one of the larger scenes. So it was cool to be there with all the different moving parts. Mm -hmm. um, I was there as a journalist and there was about, I think eight or nine of us. And we were there all day. I mean, we were there from 10 in the morning to like five at night or something like that. Um, we were there for a long time, um, kind of documenting what was going on. And it was cool because <clears throat> we all got along really well and we all kind of bonded and it, it was kind of like, um, you know, if it was the breakfast club, but every single one of us was the Ali Sheedy character. 
and <laughs> we had a lot of fun and we were able to um, see a little bit of behind the scenes, not a whole lot, but definitely a lot of one scene, um, which was really cool. It's a larger scene. Um, from what I gather, I believe I'm correct on this, but I haven't seen the film yet. Um, from what I gather, I feel like it's going to be kind of like a re remake, kind of like how the Suspiria remake was. It's mm. not the same. It's like the same elements and similar ideas and similar characters, but it's different and larger and more like of a companion piece than an actual just a remake of the story. And that's kind of how I gather this is going to be. So I'm pretty excited to see that. I know that it's going to be more of less of a story of just the virus and more of a story of Rose mm -hmm. and her world with the virus in it or whatever it is in it. Um, and I know there's, there's going to be from what I get from some of the photos and stuff too, there's going to be, you know, the accident and reconstructive surgery and all that as well. And I've seen some stills that look like it's really paying homage to the original movie, but it looks like it's in a different context. So I thought mm -hmm. that was cool too. Um, I know that, you know, talking to the actors, um, talking to the sauce, cause I know that they all put a lot into this film and they're all really excited about it and they're all working really well together. Um, so that was really cool to see. Um, there's like, uh, Tristan Risk was there. I worked with her. She's really great. She talked about, um, playing a couple different characters. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be, which I think involved prosthetics and things. I didn't get to see all of that. Um, but I know there's going to be like prosthetics and creature effects. So it is going to be a different movie. And I believe if I'm saying this correctly, that they did actually send the script to David Cronenberg to get, um, his like stamp of approval kind of sure. thing. Um, <clears throat> if I'm remembering that correctly, I know they did seek out his approval because they just wanted to make sure that he was okay with everything they were doing. Um, and so I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a totally different film, but using the same elements. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. And that, that I think is the correct way to approach a film like this uh and, and and it was the way i think with suspiria too though people maybe had a problem with a reimagining but i think when you're remaking some of these cult classics like this you have to take that approach because if you're just going to do a straight up remake you're going to probably run into a lot more friction <laughs> with people um so that that has me excited that that's kind of in a reimagining of it uh so i guess we'll, we'll close out tonight with just a quick question uh, Cara, uh, does that uh, kind of make you more interested in, in maybe seeing a rabid remake? And, and do you think reimagining, if they're going to redo a story from one of these cult classics, is that the better way to go versus trying to do maybe a, a more direct from original script remake? I always felt that it was it's best to go a different route, especially because you have those people who are reluctant where they're just fans of the film and they're like, no, don't do this and don't do that. And my best my best um, example that I can think of is like the Cat People remake. I mean, like that's essentially an entirely different film. It's just, just borrows the title, but I think it's better when they go off their own direction and do something completely different, but borrow elements just that way. Some people don't feel like, well, you ruined my favorite film and mm -hmm. so on and so forth, which I think is kind of funny because people always forget, well, you still have the original if you don't like the remake. <laughs> 
yeah, there comes up a number of times uh, during our podcasts, especially uh, Mr. Shearer. Uh, he's brought that up too, to where, and, and we take that stance here on the show that if you really want that movie, it's still on your shelf. It didn't change because this movie came out. It, it didn't sneak into your DVD copy or your Blu-ray and change the contents of your movie. If you uh, still like that. So yeah. And, and I'm for the reimagining too. I think if you're going to do a remake, bring something new to the table. Don't do like that. Oh, the one that stands out for me that I really despise the psycho shot for shot remake. Yeah. That, that oh. was basically a, a modern day play. Every, everything was exact, even the dialogue. Yeah. Except until you get to the key famous horror scene in the world in the shower. And then he decides to take some artistic liberty. And yeah, that then you're like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> now, now <laughs> you decide to change something. Um, I, I like reimagining. That's why I actually think, uh, the remake, quote unquote, remake of the crazies is just as good as the original, if not better, because it's whereas the original tells a story a lot from the lab and where the doctor was in that the crazies shows you everything else that was happening in the town or the area when that uh, when the outbreak happened. So, you know, I actually like outside of maybe the last few minutes of that remake, I liked it because, yeah, that was a reimagining. I I think if you're going to go through the steps of remaking something, bring something new. Don't just give me the same as before because I'll just want to watch the original. Right. Uh, Tanya, are you the same way? Kind of. Do you like the reimaginings maybe a little more than the direct remakes? I do because I feel like they work as companion pieces. Mm -hmm. Like they work side by side and one isn't like, I don't know, copying the other. I mean, I, I've seen movies that are very similar like um the different shadowlands movies about right. but that's based on a play i mean it's a little bit different or like older films from the 40s they would they would kind of redo them every couple of years but that was before we had you know like streaming or even dvds you know or whatever you couldn't like watch them again so they would just make them again um so it's a little different because it becomes sort of why bother at this point you know, if you can buy the DVD or if you can stream the original, why even bother doing one that's, you know, so similar, but maybe doesn't have some of the things that you love about the original. So, um, so I do like, I do like these sort of reimagining or taking it with, from the view, you know, mm -hmm. point of view, changing that a little bit slightly, um, because then I think it gives you a companion piece and that's, and then it makes it kind of fun, kind of interesting and not something that might you know, leave right. out something that you enjoyed, but then be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of just remind you of the original. So right. it makes you want to watch the original again. Just right. Because. Um, and yeah, so uh, definitely uh, thank you for a little bit of the insight on the rabid uh, remake. I I'm very excited for it. Interesting to see what they do with that what they've done with that story it looks like different i love the cast i mean tristan risk is always fun um she definitely is a interesting she takes some interesting roles and always puts on a great performance and the soskas have have it was in, it's been interesting to watch them move up from dead hooker in a trunk to mm -hmm. now doing this you know project plus their other side projects so yeah yeah. And Laura, Laura Vandervert plays Rose in this mm -hmm. newer one. And she, 
I mean, she looked amazing on set in the costumes and she, she has a real passion for this project. And I think it's going to be, from what I saw, I think that the whole thing is going to be great. What, what I did see was great. And I think the rest of it's going to be as well. So I can't wait to see it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, me neither. And, and when it does show, we'll probably do an episode on it. So, uh, because I, I definitely, uh, am curious to see, see their approach and the, you know, not only that, but how, your audience is going to take it because <laughs> the internet is a vicious, vicious beast. Uh, so, so we'll wrap it up tonight. And now this is where I give my uh, fantastic panel uh, the license to shill. So Kara, uh, why don't you go ahead? Where can people uh, find you at? I mostly do horror film reviews over on YouTube. You can find me at uh, youtube.com backslash horror retrospective. Uh, right now, I'm mostly just doing a lot of holiday-themed stuff, so I'm hoping to have something out for April Fool's Day. Um, but that's that's mostly what I'm doing right now. Cool. Are you covering April Fool's? The the movie, the original, the '80s one. I've I've done the original '80s mm -hmm. one. I've done the the remake as well. I've done Slaughter High. So I've, I've worked my way through there. I'm, I'm starting to get creative with it now. Like, well, what can fit this theme now? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, definitely. I look forward to seeing that on the channel and uh, thank you again for being on the show and uh, appreciate it. And Tanya, how about you? Where can they find your stuff at? Um, TanyaAtomic.com. We're working on the site, but it does have links to all my socials. Um, I'm basically Tanya Atomic, T-O-N-J-I-A Atomic on everything that I'm on. So you can just search that too. Um, MonastReturns.com is my one of my films. And I'm um, working on a film called 333 Illuminati. Spelled like naughty, I did something bad. <laughs> <laughs> That is coming out, I think, October. Um, but you can see the short version online now. Oh, cool. So, on yeah. YouTubes. Awesome. On the YouTubes. So, check yeah. that out. And if you go to specialmarkproductions.com and you scroll down to the bottom, you will find friends of Special Mark Productions where you find links to these talented individuals and their stuff. So, make sure you check that out, folks. I hope you enjoyed our another uh, journey to Cronenberg. And uh, I guess one more thing we'll do because we did it with the last two is if there's one thing you take as you leave Cronenberg tonight that you take with you with a uh, rabbit, what would it be? Tanya? Don't be a creeper. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Kara, how about you? One thing uh, when you're leaving Cronenberg that you're going to take with you? Plastic surgery is not your friend. <laughs> There you go. I love it. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, folks, uh, now we'll just say goodnight, everyone. Night. Night. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups 
at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies. 